The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the elements of the program this year and about some ways of holding this undertaking and some helpful attitudes that we can bring to the program. So what does it mean to take up a path? A spiritual path, a path of wisdom, a path toward greater freedom and compassion. I like Jack Cornfield's book title, A Path with Heart. Right, that's what we're doing here. And it's a way, I like the word way, the Zen tradition uses the way, the great way, you know. It's both a direction and it's how, it's the way we do things. And the way we do things has a whole lot to do with the way our life unfolds. So we can start to appreciate the connection between those two. A path is an orientation. You know, you could be orienting by the North Star without necessarily expecting to get there, but it could still get you, you know, in, in, a, in a wonderful direction for the rest of your life. It's a way to align ourselves, aligning ourselves with our deepest values and our growing wisdom through our intentions and out through our actions in the world, our speech, our social roles, you know. Somebody the other day at a different meeting was talking about what they felt they'd got out of this so far, and she made this gesture of aligning the blocks like they'd been out of alignment and now they're getting in a line. And I often feel that way, you know. It's like, oh, there's a kind of clear, a clear connection between what I believe and what I'm intending and what I'm doing moment to moment, and that gets deeper and deeper. I sometimes, Kim alluded to the circular or spiraling nature of this path. Sometimes I think of it, it's like an engine of integrity and integration. You know, you start wherever you are and it leads you it might be that you start with some understanding and that leads you to the intention to practice and then that inevitably leads you to look at what's in your way, which might be some of your ways of behaving in the world. And then maybe that's your motivation to take up a meditation practice. So I need to, gee, I need to calm down and stop and take more of a look at this. And so that's your motive for practicing. Or maybe more like me, you just knew you were exhausted and you needed to meditate and you know somehow. So I, without even thinking much about the Eightfold Path. I just want to be quiet and sit and chill out. And that's kind of how I came to this. And then, you know, gradually over the years, it's opened up to me how much this is connected to everything I'm doing in my life and my speech, my action, my livelihood. So I kind of have been walking backwards, you know, and uh, that works too, round and round. So a lot of different ways of looking at this. It's also important to understand that it's a path of mutual benefit. It's we, it's slowly eroding our, under, our beliefs that there's some kind of zero-sum game in happiness between time I spend on my own deepening understanding and time I spend serving other people. You begin to really understand that how you are with others, how you are with yourself, uh, is really so intimately connected. You know, what you, time you spend understanding yourself deeply is really the foundation of compassion for other people, understanding what anger and hatred feels like from the inside and how hard it is to overcome. How else could you be compassionate with people who are so caught up in that? You know, so it's really, uh, it's really a two-way street. Um, 
I found, I've been reading this book called Cultivating Inner Peace by a man named Paul Fleischman, which is, I'm really enjoying. And I pulled this kind of, kind of a composite quote out of it that I like a lot. He's talking about peace as a way to understand where the path is going, real deep, profound inner peace. Peace is a dynamic product of the way you live, committed, forgiving, patient. It's not a safe platform, but a direction recurrently renewed a devotion, and a discipline. Every person who cultivates such a life is a spring where underground waters emerge into sunlight. So one way to understand having this path that gives us this orientation and a purpose, a sense that your life is heading in a good direction, as long as you keep coming back to just waking up to what's happening right now, recalling your good intentions... This provides really a growing sense of refuge. And in fact, taking up the Buddhist path is often described as going for refuge. Some of you may have done the refuge ceremony that's offered here, or you may have heard this term. Finding a deepening refuge in what's called the three jewels of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. So the program, as it's structured, supports these three kinds of deepening refuge. The Buddha, maybe to begin with, it's inspiration from the historical Buddha. Something about the Buddha's integrity, the image of the Buddha has drawn you to come here. He seems to have found something, and he claims no more than to be a human being, and that if he can do it, you can do it. So, you know, that's a great inspiration. And understanding the Dharma as the teachings, well, we'll be working on that. We'll be working on that through this monthly meetings where we expound the teachings, We have two wonderful books that are recommended that people read who are in this program. This, uh, The Eightfold Path by Bhikkhu Bodhi. This is available online. Uh, It's linked to all over the place on the website of the class that you'll get, and it's available on Access to Insight and all over the place, or you can buy it. This is a rather, you know, he's the translator of the sutta versions that we use in in the West in English. And uh, so this is a this is quite a you know bit of a scholarly exposition of what the path is about. And then there's another wonderful book called Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness. This one you'd have to buy. Um, it's by uh, Bhante Gunaratana, who's a really wonderful, warm, delightful monastic who's been here a couple of times. And this is a little more accessible, a little more daily life oriented discussion of how to work with the path. So each month we'll get suggested readings. There are talks that you should listen to online that go along with each of the path steps. So in this way, we're understanding the Dharma, the refuge of the Dharma as the teachings. And it's really quite helpful to, to have a way to kind of structure your understanding, you know, a way that brings what our actions in the world, our ethical behavior in line with what we need to nourish our own strength to you know, keep going and be in the world and something that brings that all together. It's a great refuge to have a really clear set of teachings. So refuge in the Buddha can also come to mean refuge in our own... Buddha means awake, one who is awake. So it can come to mean a refuge in our own ability to wake up and to be present, a refuge in presence and in knowing. So that's going to be forwarded, um, furthered by working kind of the heart of the program is the monthly reflections. Every week you'll receive an email. At the beginning of the month you'll get an email with all of the month's 
information. And then every week we're going to email you a reminder of what the reflections for the week are. And I highly suggest that, you know, you might cut them out, stick them on the mirror, something. Our experience, I think, as mentors is that this doesn't work so well if you're kind of cramming for the test the day before your mentor meeting. (laughs) And, you know, oops, oops, well, I kind of did the reading in the car and I looked over this list and here's what I thought. You know, it isn't, you know, you're doing this for yourself, right? So you get more out of it if you can somehow remember... uh, to engage with these reflections throughout the month because this process really seeps in gradually. It's not something you can kind of hurry up and cram for at the last minute. So gradually we're deepening our sense of refuge in our own ability to observe and know what's going on. And then another meaning you could say of refuge in the Dharma is trusting that we have, that there is this innate process in human beings somehow in our psychophysical being, it's not just all what we generally think of as our willful effort, you know, but observing is adding a new element to it that then shines a light on it and something in the system starts to learn, starts, transformation happens in, an, in a way that's indirectly connected to our effort. Our effort and our observation is a necessary condition, but we don't just make it happen like that. So we have more and more of a trust in the Dharma as a natural law of as, as uh, Kim was saying, of this river flowing, you know, toward liberation. The more we do our part, the more it does its part in quite a magical seeming way sometimes, you know. You just never know when suddenly you're going to find it easier to be more mindful or you'll find yourself noticing, oh, I'm about to get mad instead of, oh, I shouldn't have, you know, screamed at that person. And it just starts, you know, it happens, uh, it happens. So finally, there's a refuge in the Sangha. And that's an essential part of this program. And that will be furthered by the monthly meetings that we're having with the breakout groups where you, you know, hopefully each month you get to meet different people. Also, your mentoring meeting. is it The original meaning of, of uh, refuge in the Sangha is refuge in those who have been walking the path and have seen some fruit for it and can hopefully further inspire and encourage you. And we hope that's possible through the mentor meetings. We'll also be trying to figure out a way to organize buddy groups so that you have a little contact with people in the middle of the month sometimes to talk to. And then we've got some events. We're we're talking about having a potluck sometime in the middle of the year, just a social occasion so we all get together. And then this year, since we have our wonderful new retreat center, we've added a day-long retreat over at IRC in June. So that'll be both a way to practice a little concentration, maybe the last step of the path, and a way to, you know, come together as a sangha for the wrap-up of the path. So just, uh, so hopefully those, those refuges are something that you can deepen through this program, through the aspects of the program. And just a few things. Am I done? <laughs> Timing. Not my strong suit. Um, a few things I want to say about how helpful attitudes in taking up this practice. Kim has already mentioned that the invitation here is to see for yourself. There's this wonderful word, ehipasiko, in the Buddhist language, which means come and see for yourself. So they're not beliefs, they're not commandments, they're here's what I see, what do you see? You know, very much in the scientific, spir- ex- scientific spir- spirit of you know, can you confirm this for yourself in your own experience? So I just want to say also that we're not bringing that 
attitude that we all have of trying to fix it and trying to force change and trying to, oh dear, I don't have right speech, I have to change that, that fix-it attitude. I was so happy when I found this path because I really believed from the beginning that it was about observing and about intending. You know, and that's, I can do that. I can observe and I can intend. And that has turned out to be enough, you know, to have some considerable transformation in my level of happiness. So you're not, when we look at the precepts or the right speech elements or the right livelihood elements, we're not, you know, it's not, oh dear, I have to fix this. It's, hmm, let me see, how is this playing out in my life? What can I observe about this? What can I learn about it? So you're always putting your effort into feeling your way. And you're developing this deeper and deeper trust that what you see about in yourself is interesting and trustable. That what's being revealed is something about your past conditioning. You know, that it's not something to feel guilty about or ashamed of. It's just what happened. It's stuff has happened to us. And we've wound up with the habits and patterns that we have. And when, in the act of seeing them, that's a new element. We're, we're shining this light of kind mindfulness on it. And that itself is transformative. And, you know, that just some trust that you can inquire into, well, what is this? Why do I do that? You know, I wonder why I do that. And take that question really seriously, but very gently. And not that you're jumping to an answer in your mind, like, oh, I do that because, you know, to sit with it. Sit with it and open up and feel into, gee, what was it in that situation? That Why did that seem like the right thing to do? What is that feeling that leads me to do that wrong all the time or you know, do that thing that I'd rather not do? So we're not trying to force change and we're not trying to measure progress. This is a lifetime program that we're embarking on here. But you will find in the reflections a lot of things to try, you know, and you can... Take them or leave them. You can pick the ones that resonate most with you. But you might notice if something really, you know, puts you off. Well, that's interesting. You know, you can sit with that feeling of resistance and I don't want to do that. And now you've learned something about yourself and where is, what is that feeling, you know. So you can also, it's a chance to have a bit of courage and to try something new and to try a little experimentation. You know, you're only experimenting with seeing a little bit more about how you are in the world, so... Um, I remember my first, you know, I read a lot of books on Buddhism and I thought it was a good idea and a good idea and all I did was read books for a long time. And then, and then I was extra unhappy and I thought, well, you know, I should do something. And so I looked up, I had somehow heard of Spirit Rock and I looked up this day long at Spirit Rock and I, I, it was just a transformative moment in my life. In 1995, I, I signed up for a day-long thing at Spirit Rock. And I, and I, I thought, oh, they're going to sit all day without stopping, and I can only sit for 10 minutes, you know. But nevertheless, something in me just said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I didn't know what they meant by bring a cushion, you know, something from the couch, what do they mean, you know. But <laughs> anyway, I went, and, I, you know, I was kind of scared. But I remember stopping on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge at that lookout place and looking back and thinking, well, I'm doing something, you know. And that was the beginning of, you know, that was a really transformative day for me. I, I felt into some things, and I was really impressed with Jack, and I thought, well, these people are for real, you know. So, 
give it a try. So the other element, I think this is kind of included in what I've already said, but we're not looking for self-judgment. We're cultivating wisdom and compassion. And a big element of wisdom is learning to take things less personally. And that's part of the reason why we meet together and why we have buddy groups and mentors is to kind of normalize our experience. It's so easy to think, I'm the only person who can't do this or I you know, I have this deep secret, you know, I watch stupid television and eat too much. And, you know, that's, you know, that happens, right? That's where we, that's how we release our, our tensions. And we can share that with each other and we can talk about how, what does this mean for the path? You know, it's not about feeling like I'm the only one who isn't able to be perfect here or to be right this, that, and the other. It's about exploring honestly what are the forces that are at work in our life. And what options do we... How do you feel? I've learned a lot from watching myself observing the process of eating and observing the process of watching, you know, movies or something. And, you know, you can do it. And, well, okay, you know, hmm, that's what I'm getting out of that. And then maybe it's getting old. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know. But you're learning things, right? So, uh, so we're learning this wisdom that we're taking things less personally and we're cultivating compassion with ourselves and compassion with each other for how difficult this is. Um, I feel like what's important to bring to this is you could say a sort of a devotion to the truth, not the truth as a concept that you can you know, engrave on your wall, but a moment-to-moment sense, the felt sense of the truth. This is really how I feel right now. This is really what's happening. So a devotion to let me just see this. Let me just feel this. Let me just understand this. And I also want to say that uh, although the path factors, it's kind of implied, maybe not so much, it might sound like kind of a heady thing. We're going to study all this views and intentions and whatnot. But bring your body into it. The body is the great feedback you know, of what's really going on. The body feels it. And the, it's an about embodying your practice in your actions and, and in your sitting practice. So you're bringing all of you. You're showing up with your mind and your heart and your body, bringing all that, paying attention to all of that all the time. Your daily meditation practice, if you have one, is a great support for this. This is, you know, this accompanies that and extends it. So if you, you might, Maybe this is what you need in order to motivate yourself to have a daily life practice. So however it works for you. But anyway, these two, these two things go together. So finally, I just want to say that I think a big challenge for most of the people, I've mentored this for three years now, and a big challenge is remembering. How do you remember that you're even in this program? You know, days can go by, right? Weeks can go by. Oops, you know, then your mentor thing appears on the calendar and quick, you know, got to do something. So really I encourage you to take some time thinking about that. What would help you remember what you're doing? So we've got the weekly emails. Literally cut it out, stick it on your mirror, stick it in your wallet, stick it on your computer, wherever you'll see it, you know, every day. Um, I heard a teaching at a recent retreat from Annie Nugent, who's a wonderful teacher. She has this thing which she does every evening. She calls it the four R's. Relax. Every evening she spends, maybe just before she goes to bed, relax, review, resolve, and then remember. So I have a little different take on that. The remembering is the fruit. 
You know, remembering happens if the conditions have been put in place. So maybe the next day you'll remember. But if you could, maybe whatever works for you, before you go to bed or sometime, relax is important because you don't want to be in that self-critical frame of mind. You want to be in this open, inquiring, curious state of mind. Review. what, how, was, how were these factors today? You know, was there speech? Was there action? How's my livelihood feeding my soul? We don't have that, do we? Anyway. <laughs> How is my how is my livelihood uh, working? You know, what what are my intentions? Did I carry them out or not today? You know, so you can have that review, and then I just want to really put in a plug for the power of resolving. That really, you come to a stop, you get clear in your mind, and you say, "I really intend to remember. May I remember to do this tomorrow? May it occur to me before I'm speaking to somebody to take a breath." and you know think about right speech for a minute and if you really if you can relax and calm down and make a clear intention you'll be surprised it pops up a little more often you know so the power of resolving to remember is actually very valuable okay <laughs> So we have the mailings, the meetings, the readings, the mentor groups. We have a handout here that summarizes all these aspects of the program that you're welcome to take with you. And um, I've been having little conversations with some of you. If you meant to sign up for the mentoring and you haven't already, it's pretty full, but come and tell me and put your name and email on a list and we'll see what we can do. And it may be a couple weeks before you hear back because we're going on retreat starting this afternoon for a while. So um, apologies if anyone feels misled that they were supposed to wait until this meeting. I might have said that to a couple of people, but it did fill up quicker than we thought. So um, I think that concludes my remarks. Thank you. Kim, you want to start? Thank you.